Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about resilience. It's that ability to bounce back after a devastating critique or loss or just figuring out how to finish a performance after a big mistake. So why are some dancers resilient in the face of failure and others completely lose hope? Well, it takes resilience training. Dancers train our whole lives for only a few minutes on stage, just two minutes under the stage lights, just one opportunity to show off what we've worked so so hard on. So in this episode, I'm going to share a three-part resilience training, which includes the Reed method for building resilience. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars: motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. During a competition season, so many teams have multiple competitions and exhibitions and events to prepare for a big final event. So maybe you're preparing for a state championship with a school team, or your studio's headed to national finals, or you're preparing for that final end of season showcase. But you want your final performance to be your best of the season, right? In an ideal world, each performance would get better and better. You'd do well at your very first event and then get some good feedback, make some improvements, get better the next time. But I think any of us who have been in this dance world long enough know that realistically, that's not how it goes. You know, sometimes your first performance is a disaster, right? Maybe you have a dancer who uh, just stands there for an eight count and stares blankly. Another one might lose a shoe. That happened to me one time. And a third dancer maybe completely falls, right? So now what? How do you prepare your dancers to bounce back from this and actually improve the next time? You know, why are some athletes resilient in the face of failure and others? others lose hope. Well, it's resilience training. So there's three key things to remember about training your dancers to be resilient. Number one, failure is part of the process, right? It's our dancers and us as teachers, I think, need reminders that failure is a part of the process. You can't expect to continue to grow and improve if you're not allowing for failure, allowing for a chance to improve and grow because of those mistakes. Number two, failure is something to be embraced. It's not necessarily a bad thing. We can learn a lot from failure experiences. And then athletes and our dancers don't react to success and failure the same way. None of them react the same and they may not react the same as you. And that's a really important thing to uh, keep in mind as you're trying to train your dancers to be more resilient. You know, ideally, you want a group of athletes who perceive failure as part of the learning process. It's okay to feel a sense of disappointment at first, but we should be pretty quickly uh, able to turn that into like, okay, well, what did I learn from this? Where do we go now? How can I be better? If they learn to embrace failure, they're much more emotionally prepared for the next event and are more likely to improve in their performance. So I want to share a little story of uh, when I first learned how important resilience is in the moment. I was a uh, in high school somewhere, probably around junior year of high school, and had a solo in our studio's ballet. That was a pretty prestigious solo. I was super proud of myself and excited. It was a big deal. And uh, comes show night, well, 
back up. We understand, right? You've been training for months <laughs> for this one show. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Get like all the happy um, jitters. I'm ready for it. And the very first part of this solo is a Pika Arabesque to, with the intention of balancing there for quite a while. And at the time, both an Arabesque and being able to balance with that Arabesque was one of my areas of comfort. I was like, this is an area that I'm good at. I'm going to nail this. And it usually that kind of set off the whole solo on this positive uh, trajectory. But this night, of course, <laughs> the night where it's actually performance time, I hit that PK Airbus and I rolled off point probably immediately. Like I just felt like I fully collapsed. So then honestly, now looking back, I think I blacked out for the entire rest of that performance. <laughs> so you have, I had this mistake that in the grand scheme of mistakes was not a huge deal, but I had set myself up for this is the moment where I shine and then I didn't. And when I didn't, I crumbled inside and I completely lost all focus. I don't remember any of the rest of that. <laughs> body, you know, body took over and did what it was supposed to do, but I was not present in that moment at all. And I wish I knew how to be more resilient in that moment. Like I wish I knew what to do to try to stay present and try to figure out how to, uh, you know, not let that hurt the entire rest of the show. And, but that doesn't just happen, right? That resilience training has to be taught. It's something that we have to train for. So now I hope I can help you be able to bring that resilience training to your dancers. So Part one for resilience training is thinking about who is at fault. So the first step to becoming a resilient dancer is to think about your perception of fault. When something doesn't go well, who's at fault for the failure, right? First thing to note is this is not a blame game, especially if you are working with a team, whether it be a studio, competitive team, school team, but you never want to let your dancers go to a place where they, you know, attack each other and blame so-and-so for her shoe falling off or yell at the partner who was standing in the wrong formation, right? We don't want to let our teams devolve to that. But it is important to think about all the things your dancers usually say when they don't perform at their personal best. Like we, you hear these excuses, right? You hear it when they come off the floor, you hear it when they're changing for their next routine. But when you hear an excuse, you know, pay attention, are they blaming something that was in their control? We call that like internal control. Or are they blaming something outside of their control, something external? How do they interpret how they interpret this? If whether it was internal or external says everything about how capable they believe they are. So if they have control over the failure, like it was something that they can change for the future, then they're going to believe that they have the ability to bounce back. Psychologists call this ability attributions, and it just means that an athlete will make either internal or external attributions for their ability. It's something that's either in their control or not. So for my own story about that solo, right, I blamed that failure on an internal source. I knew I was distracted. I knew I was so caught up in, oh my God, this is it, this is it you know, my family's here and the big lights and I was so distracted. I wasn't present in my body for that performance. I knew it was in my control that I had completely lost focus. But the good news is it was in my control. It was a temporary thing. That lack of focus, yes, I you know missed out on that solo moment, but that as soon as the solo was over, I went off stage, I was able to take a second and kind of reset and say, okay, there's probably 90 minutes left of this ballet, like get it together, <laughs> regain your focus be present here in this moment. 
and being able to notice that it was an internal source, like there was nothing about the stage or anything else that caused that uh, failure moment. It was me. I did it. I lost my focus, but I can control that focus. So sometimes a dancer might attribute a failure to an external source. Like the floor was slippery or, you know, we went first in the competition. Um, And if they do that, they attribute the failure to an external source. Then it can help us kind of maintain confidence in our abilities uh, because that probably won't matter the next time because it's something external, right? Maybe at this competition, it didn't go well, but the floor was terrible. That won't be true next time. So we'll be fine. Or, you know, we drew first in the competition order, but that won't happen next time. So it's okay. But if they attribute a failure to an internal source that is constant, something that won't change, like they lack the talent or the ability, then it's what we call a stable attribution. It's something that likely won't change by the next time you're supposed to perform. And when that happens, the dancer is more likely to have that big dip in confidence, to struggle to maintain a positive attitude for the next event. So the failure was in their control and they just aren't good enough. And no amount of practice will change that. So they give up. That's when you have the dancer who uh, falls apart after a mistake and is not able to bounce back because they believe like, well, I made a mistake because I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, then it's I'm going to make the same mistake again next time. So the first step to helping an athlete become more resilient is to pay attention to her attributions. When something doesn't go well, be it in a practice or a competition, like listen to the excuses the dancer provides. And you can try to determine if they attribute the failure to something internal or external. If it's external, determine if it was something that was in their control or not. So if it was in their control, great, focus on that. If not, help them move on. Find a focal point that was within their control. And if the attribution's internal, it's the same process, right? Make sure the internal failure is something they perceive as out of their control and unlikely to happen again or controllable and fixable. And I've noticed how they're attributing that failure. Okay, part two to this resilience training, how do you, the dance teacher, react to this failure? Think about how you react when one of your dancers makes a big mistake or has that failure experience. Do you say something? Do you gasp? Do you make a weird face? Do you ignore it? Do you push them? Like what happens? So let's talk about how your reaction as their as their teacher influences their resilience. So for example, when a dancer says, I am not a turner or I'm not flexible enough to do that, your reaction matters. Right? And how many times have you heard that when you, maybe you're choreographing for a team or a dancer and they say, oh, I'm not a turner. Or they made a mistake uh, at a performance and come off stage and they're like, I'm just not flexible enough to do that. I'm, I can't do it. Right? We hear it all the time. But listen when you hear those kinds of uh, statements from your dancers and think about how you react. Uh, so your dancer is sending you a message that they don't believe in themselves which makes resilience nearly impossible. So if your dancer has that kind of internal stable attribution that says like, I'm not a turner or you know something that is blaming their own ability, you can say something like, well, a lot of people feel that way, but you can change things. I'll work on your flexibility with you, right? We have time before your next competition. Practice really helps. So let's make a plan to help you improve your skill. The idea is to focus on the fact that their excuse or their ability is changeable, right? 
practice does actually help, right? Even if you're not born the most flexible person, even if turning doesn't come naturally, we know as teachers that they can learn and improve. And our goal is to help them change that internal attribution from I'm just not good enough to something that's like, well, I'm not good enough yet, but I can be. It's changeable. They need to know that you'll help them get better and feel that sense of internal control for their success. If an excuse is based on something external, say they fell out of their turns during a solo and they say the Marley floor was all bumpy, that, that truly is out of their control. We've probably all competed on those floors that are less than ideal, right? And, but remind them of that. It's out of your control. That floor wasn't great, but you can't do anything about that and it probably won't happen again. There's no reason to dwell on that. Uh, judges are a big thing that dancers will get caught up on. Uh, But judges are not in your control. (laughs) You can't control what these other humans thought of your routine. And so dwelling on that uncontrollable external failure just breeds anger. And instead, try to find something that they do have control over and put your efforts there. Something I want to note about this. It is really easy to go too far with this and encourage athletes to never take responsibility for failure. And that's not what I'm saying, right? I'm not saying that they should never take full responsibility for a failure if that's appropriate. If you always attribute failure to an external thing that's not my fault, then sure, you protect your emotions a little bit and it feels good about yourself, uh, but you're probably never going to improve. If you remember back to the beginning, I was saying how like embracing failure as part of the process, like that's a huge part of this. So there's a balance. You want to help your athletes make that external attribution of failure if it's valid. If the floor really was bumpy, then blame the floor and move on, right? There's no reason to dwell there. If the sun really was in their eyes, like that's, it's a fluke thing that happened that time, like let it go. It's not worth the stress. If it's an external source of failure that really is out of their control, let it go. But if they really did make a mistake and they should have an internal attribution for the failure, they should recognize that they had some control here, then you know, like me and my story when I got distracted and fell off balance because, you know, my head wasn't in the right place. I was completely in my control and I let it go. And I need to own that and take control. When it's important that the internal attribution is viewed as changeable and fixable, right? It's important to say like, yeah, you made a mistake and you own it, but it's not something that's constant. You can change it, you can learn from it, and you can grow from it. You want to encourage accountability while improving confidence. And you do that by teaching them this idea that your own talent and ability is changeable with effort and practice. And then you as a teacher, you can model this for them too and help them understand like when you make a mistake, own it. And then once you own it, focus on why the mistake happened and what you can do about it. You can also uh, help them by pointing out like the successful parts of the routine uh, that were in their control as well, so they can feel confident that the effort and work will make a difference in the future. This episode is brought to you by the Dance Coach Membership Releve, a community for dance coaches on the rise. This community is designed to help you create a team of committed, hardworking dancers that are a pleasure to coach every day. I've learned a lot about coaching other coaches over the years, and one thing I know is we need clear action plans that are easy to implement and a support network around us. So I created a membership to help all the dance coaches out there who want to rise up and make a difference on their team. Head over to passionatecoach.com slash membership to learn more about how to join us inside this dance coach membership, where you will get the support and guidance to find a new level of joy and success in coaching. That's passionatecoach.com slash membership. 
So part three of this, uh, there are four steps to follow when you are helping an athlete deal with a mistake. So one thing I want to always try to do as much as I can is give you something tangible to take home to say, okay, I want to try this. How am I going to actually you know, bring this to my studio or bring this to my team and make a difference for my dancers. So here's a simple kind of acronym to help you remember this four-step process. Uh, And it's, if you go to the show notes for this episode, you can download a cheat sheet to help you remember this as well. So you don't have to scramble and write this down. Uh, Just go to the show notes and you can download this and keep it with you and share it with your dancers. So the acronym, it's READ, R-E-A-D, It's going to help you build up that resilient dancer. So the R is recognize. You want to recognize the error and the frustration it's caused. So if a dancer makes a huge mistake and they really are emotional about it, like validate their feelings and emotions. Like it's okay to let that happen for a moment, especially if it is like the performance is genuinely over, right? And you can take a second and be emotional, uh, validate that like, yeah, that sucks. And it doesn't feel good. And you know, making those mistakes is challenging, validate those emotions, but help guide them to that mindset mantra, control the controllables. Uh, You'll probably hear me say that a lot. It's a big personal mantra in my life that I share with dancers all the time. It's okay to feel emotional, validate those emotions, recognize that error and the frustration it caused, but remind them to control the controllables, like what is in your control and not to be too upset over something that's not in your control at all. So first you recognize that error and the frustration it caused. Then E is for evaluate. You evaluate the skill or routine and determine how and why the error occurred and how the athlete interprets the situation. This is important. You want to understand, like, why did this mistake happen? But then you also want to understand what the athlete thinks happened. Like, what's their interpretation? Don't assume they're making the same attribution for the mistake that you are, right? So you might assume, like, this was a temporary fluke thing. It won't happen again. You're not worried about it. But the dancer is not feeling the same way. They feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm going to do it again. Well, now it probably will happen again because that's how they feel about it. So evaluate what happened and figure out how the athlete interprets it. Uh, Talk about it. Evaluate it together as a learning process so that dancer can learn to better uh, self-evaluate as he continues to grow and improve. Or you want it to be a conversation and a recognition that failure is part of the process. Let's talk about what happened and how do we evaluate what went wrong so that I can grow from this and learn. The A in our READ acronym is ALLOW. Allow time for practice. If this mistake came from a you know lack of technical skill or something that's going to take some time, like these big changes in skills won't happen overnight. And then also the ability to have a more resilient reaction to failure is not just going to flip overnight either. You know, keep reminding your athletes that hard work matters, you know, offer them instruction and feedback, give them praise when it's well-deserved and keep guiding them toward that end goal. But this is going to take time. So allow time to practice a skill that might need it and allow them time to practice resilience. And the D stands for develop a plan. And then, of course, communicate that plan with your athlete, uh, you know, so that you can make the necessary corrections for the future. So when an athlete feels like there's a clear plan in place to make sure the mistake won't happen again, they're much more likely to maintain focus and effort during that practice time, right? So if they feel like, you know, there was something that 
was in their control and they need the training for it, you know, allowing for a communication and a clear plan of like, this is what we're going to do before the next competition. This is what we're going to do in practice to address this. If they know there's a clear plan, they're more likely to maintain that focus and effort. Without that plan, they may resort back to those stable internal attributions of failure where they assume they aren't good enough and then they're not going to put in the effort. So that's the READ acronym when you have a dancer who has that failure experience and how you can help them. Recognize the error and the frustration it caused, evaluate the skill or routine, allow time for practice, and develop a plan. So let's bring this all together of how you can build a resilient athlete. You want to help athletes explain failure as controllable and changeable. Your language matters. Make sure mistakes are viewed as in their control and changeable. And if you believe it truly was uncontrollable, like the judge's opinions, then acknowledge that and focus on what you can control and emphasize that those things in your control are changeable. Remember yourself and remind your dancers that things won't change overnight. Some athletes have negative attributions for their whole life, especially if you are working with, you know, high school or college age athletes. They may have these like stable negative attributions that have been going through their mind for years and you're not going to change it overnight. But keep at it, right? Keep reminding them that they are in control of their success too. Challenge them, right? It's really tempting to compete against teams or at, you know, levels of competition where you know you'll be successful, but athletes know what's going on, right? Your dancers know what you did. So they might attribute success at a competition to the other dancers' lack of ability, not their own, you know, good ability. So that's that thought of like, well, we won because it was easy, not because we're good. External success attributions where you were successful because of something out of your control is just as dangerous. So challenge them. Give them an opportunity to experience success that they know they're responsible for. And then if they are not successful, you have the tools to build that resilience. So talk to your athletes so you can recognize negative failure beliefs. You know, don't assume they're making the right connections, but have explicit conversations. Make the failure or mistake a really valuable learning process. We all know how much uh, dance can teach us these huge life lessons, and resilience is one of the best things I think I personally learned coming out of my training as a dancer. And maybe you agree with me that you know being a resilient uh, human <laughs> came from a lot of my dance training. So be intentional about it and bring that resilience training to your dancers. So I hope this inspires some new ideas for you to take back to your dancers or work through yourself the next time you face a big roadblock. Uh, If you liked this episode and found it helpful, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening and keep sharing your passion for dance with the world.